Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, recording from Central Arkansas. I have my good friends, as always, Micah Freeze and Sam Rayner on the line. Sam's down in the Floridian Coast line, and Micah is in um, Southeast Chattanooga, or not Southeast Chattanooga, but he's in Chattanooga. And uh, how are you guys today? Good, Josh. Always, how are you? How are you? Always good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing good. Walked into my office, had some Snapples waiting on me, some peach tea Snapples. Big fan of Snapple. You guys like Snapple? I haven't had um, a Snapple since I was in junior high. Are you kidding? <laughs> I haven't had a yu since I was in junior high. I oh, have dude, not had Snapple I mean, years. now you're taking me back. Oh, man, I need to go get a yu <laughs> I like Snapple. In fact, I, I kind of turned a little curmudgeonly when um, they stopped doing the glass. It's hard to find the glass containers now. And for it doesn't taste any different. I just didn't like it. They didn't consult me. They went to a plastic bottle. That's, uh, <laughs> well, how cheap of them. I'm against it. I'm against it. But my wife reminded me, just like the church, sometimes the outside changes, but if the inside's the same, then don't worry about it. Shut up. That's what she said. <laughs> that is a really good analogy. <laughs> I know. I've used it a couple times. In fact, I think that's why there's glass snapples on my um, on my desk today. So anyways, excited about the snapple. Well, I'm also excited about our topic today as a former Revive pastor. I don't think I am anymore. I kind of consider us next step kind of pastoring. I have distinctions in that. As a former Revive pastor, um, Sam's got a friend on who we are going to chat with. Uh, Sam, why don't you introduce who our guest is today and what the topic is? Yeah, I'm really excited to have Mike Rubino on the show. He is the lead pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church um, in Port Jefferson, uh, New York, which is Long Island area. I think I got that right. Uh, he's also the founder of uh, Revitalized Conference, which is up in New England. And it's just got an amazing story, exciting story. I know a lot of our listeners um, are in revitalization situations or established churches that are perhaps a little stuck. Um, Mike has done incredible work um, in in New York, and I'm just excited to have him on the show. So welcome, Mike. It is good to have you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. So, Mike, tell us, you know, just tell us a little bit about your story and kind of where you came from and, you know, what what has happened in your church. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have no clue who you are. So uh, just give us a quick breakdown of, you know, what God's done. Yes, yeah, so I'm born and bred New Yorker. You can probably tell by my accent. Uh, raised right here on Long Island. God called me to minister right here on Long Island. I tried to run down south where it was more gospel friendly and God wouldn't let me. Uh, called me to a church that was in desperate need of revitalization. But, but here's the thing. You know, seven years ago, I had never heard that term before. I didn't know what the church needed uh, until actually I heard a podcast by your father, uh, Dr. Tom Rayner, and he used the term revitalization, and I heard it for the first time. So when I walked in the door here, our average age 
um, of an attendee was higher than our average attendance. So that's just not a good ratio. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and so tell know. us, man, what what did you do? I mean, what? So you've gone to this church. It's in an area that a lot of people would consider a tougher area. Um, and, and, you know, you're from there, so you probably don't think that way. It's just your home. Um, but tell what were what were what was the big turning point? What happened? Because your church is growing. Um, it's you know, arguably in a very healthy spot right now. So over the course of the last several years, what, what was that turning point for you? Well, we, you know, we started out with about 50 people and this is about seven years ago. And I really wasn't sure what the first thing to do was. I, I just was a little bit at a loss and we just started praying and we started dealing with some some long-standing issues. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this, but there were some some families that had a stranglehold on the church. I know it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they really, I, I think in their hearts, they loved the church. I don't think they had malicious intent. I just think they were holding on so tight that they were just smothering um, the entire congregation. And, you know, the first year or two was rough. We had a lot of battles. We had to deal with a lot of things that were hidden. But once we did the hard work of, of just being honest with ourselves, God just kind of started doing what God does, which is build his church. Hmm. Mike, I'm curious about any sort of, did, did you go to seminary or training or, or anything like that that helped you along with the revive? You know, it's interesting. My path into ministry is a little non-traditional. I, uh-huh. was, co- I was called out of higher education, and I had a pastor who trained me and helped me plan a church, and I started getting on-the-job training, and then after I got ordained, then I went to seminary. Hmm. Okay. Which seminary did you go to? Liberty. Cool. Very good. Well. So tell us, tell us about one of your struggles. Um, tell us about, you know something that has happened that sparked something in you at your church because um you know i've I've preached there and and here's the thing about preaching um you know it's 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 easy to preach once in a place it's another you know if you when you get invited back that that's when you know you might have resonated (laughs) the second time that's the hard time if they keep paying you yeah if they keep they keep paying you to come back um so i've preached in your church it is it is it was um alive it was um spirit-filled it was um enjoyable uh responsive uh, all the things that you would hope in a church and and honestly man you, you you know you go to any random church out there on long island in new york city and you just you wonder what you're going to encounter when you go in and it's one of these churches you know you know cornerstone's one of the churches that if i was living in the area that's where i'd want to join mm. um so tell us a little bit you know because a lot of our listeners are in these churches that they're, they're exactly where you were 50 people um struggling uh got a power group in the church that's holding on to things sometimes with malicious intent sometimes not but they're there what tell us about one of your struggles and how you got through it well things things about a year in started to really it was just it was discouraging and my wife was discouraged and I was discouraged and you know finally I decided just to take a step out in faith and I called kind of the patriarch of the family who was controlling the church in for a meeting with the lead pastor I was the associate at the time and I just said listen I said, I love you in the Lord, but 
you know, you're the head elder, your son-in-law is the head deacon, your best friend is the principal of the Christian school, your daughter is the church secretary, and your wife is the bookkeeper. Wow. And, and I said, you know, the, the, the general consensus is that if you don't want something done, it will not get done, and that you guys are a little controlling. And he just exploded. Um, just completely exploded in the office and stormed out. And I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to have a job much longer after that. And I remember walking out of the office and someone who was friends with him just kind of looked at me and said, have you had enough yet? And I don't know, I guess it's the New Yorker in me that, that just <laughs> rose up, you know, my kind of my Italian heritage. And I just said, I, I could take this all day. <laughs> you know, and I didn't mean it at all. I was completely lying. But, but, but I did say this, and I think the Spirit kind of put this in me. And I just said, I'm not going anywhere until God tells me to go. Hmm. So any time you want to meet me in the front of the church for a vote, one of us is leaving. Hmm. And, and that was it. I think after that, God just said, okay, you're in, fine. I'm going to move. So one of the things you said there, Mike, that um, when I was working with Lifeway, we did some research on church revitalization. And one of the common characteristics we found among effective revitalizers is they're, they're I don't know another way to say it. They're just really stubborn. And they basically could out-stubborn some of the other folks there. Uh, and I don't know that, that we find that as a spiritual gift, but it seems to be really true, right? I mean, this is hard work. What you've just described is not roses and peaches and, you know, and sunshine. I mean, you just described a really, really difficult situation. So you had to be stubborn. You had to be faithful. You, you met with this guy. He stormed out. How did that resolve and move toward health? Well, I got a core group of guys, and we just started praying for the health of the church. And we actually sent a certified letter um, to his house and just said, we need you to come in and we need to deal with some things. And instead of handling the, you know, all that, he just resigned. And after he resigned, within six months, everyone related to him resigned as well. Hmm. And it was like from the time I said, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere until God tells me, six months later, God had completely cleared the playing field. Mm, that's good. That's good. I think that's I think that's probably important, Sam and Josh, for, for some of our listeners to hear, because, I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I think all four of us can attest to this, ministry is hard and it's often lonely. And um, you don't you don't want to be a jerk. You can't be a jerk, but you do need to have a sense of God's called me here and I'm going to be I'm going to be faithful. And you're not, you know, a difficult engagement or interaction with somebody's not going to push me out the door. Right. Yeah, man, I call I, when, when I'm training up younger, it's typically younger people, but people new to the calling of ministry who God is saying, okay, it's time to do this. And particularly those, I'm, I'm in the established church world. So those that are called to the established church, you know, I just say it's a grind, you know, it, it, it's, you know, don't expect you, what you feel on Sunday morning is not the job. You know, that, that one time that I let you preach and, you know, you just loved it. You know, that's not the job. I mean, that's part of the fruit, and that's, a, a, you know, a, an hour maybe of the job, but the vast majority of it is just a grind. It's people, it's messiness, it's, you know, you got to be stubborn, and you got to send a certified letter to one of your key <laughs> leaders and, and tell them, you know, basically get lost. Um, and th that's my paraphrase, not Mike's paraphrase, in case any of his church members are listening. Um, so it's, it's very hard work. It's, you know, and, you know, you inherit so much 
when you're an established church leader. And, there, there, you know, there's only so much you can do. And yeah. any, at any given moment, you could bring in a consultant or outside eyes. And, you know, you could be three, four years in and somebody could say, well, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. You, I know it's a problem. I can, you know, it's it's this analogy of the body. Uh, you know, you, you need seven or eight surgeries or 10 surgeries or 20 surgeries. And, and, you know, even if the body's like operate on all of them all at once, do them all, all at the same time, uh, it's going to kill the body. Mm-hmm. So you can only do one operation at a time. Uh, yeah. Even in a very sick body, so um, you know it's hard. So, Mike, tell me. T- so, you had this situation where you know God cleared the playing field. Uh, continue the story. What happened after that? So maybe at a few months after that, the lead pastor uh, retired, moved down south, and I was able to begin really leading the church in the direction that God had put on my heart. And and one of the things I, I learned early on is is kind of just focusing on what's most important you know your your father would say low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. uh ju- just taking you know getting some quick victories and just loving on the people and building that relationship so when i asked him to do something that maybe is um something they had never done before you know one of the one of the things i heard in the beginning all the time is we've never done it that way before and if i had a dollar for every time i heard that they wouldn't need to pay me for the next decade. <laughs> and, and so we just started working on some things and, and getting back into our community. Um, you know, in, here in the Northeast, we've had a huge demographic shift. Mm-hmm. And our church did not shift with it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so t- we, what was that demographic shift? Yeah, specifically, what was the shift? Our, our neighborhood uh, went from predominantly middle class to upper middle class Caucasian to working class and very diverse. Mm. So we had a lot of Latino population move in, African-American, a Filipino, uh, India, you know, Indian, Pakistan, uh, Pakistani. So we just saw this huge influx in the past 15 years um, in our community. But yet when you came in our church on a Sunday morning, um, what you saw was predominantly 60 plus Caucasian. And, and I'm mm. not saying there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I'm just saying that in our particular community, we were not reflecting um, who was there. And I, and I think that really had a negative impact. So one of the things that was just brought up is the loneliness of um, being a pastor. And, and that, you know, we don't often talk about church planting, but I think this is across the board. It's revitalization, it's established church leadership, it's whatever Josh just said about something next step. I've never next heard step. that term before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll have to explain that sometime, maybe in a future podcast, Josh. I mean, this, <laughs> any any pastor, um, any pastor is going to experience a level of loneliness, particularly if you're in the lead role, um, because you don't have peers on staff. You're kind of the boss person. Um, and I understand the idea of elders and a plurality of elders, and I'm certainly supportive of that. But, you know, when you're the first among equals, so to speak, it's a lonely role but what Mike's done is he's created this network this community um, this you know this group of people in the Northeast that all have this common tie of revitalization he's got this conference going um, which I I was at last year and and let me tell you 
it is it was one of the best groups that I've ever been a part of on a, for a short period of time loved it I mean it, it, you go to you go to Mike's stuff you'll make you want to move to New York move to New England and be a, <laughs> no there's a movement here's the thing there's a movement going on on Long Island and we hear so much negativity about New England and it's dark and um, there's not a whole lot of vitality there well, and I well, would just say that there is there is vitality there so Mike tell us about this well you know it's funny when when I came when I decided I shouldn't even say when I decided when God, when God really confirmed that I was meant to stay in the Northeast I had people try to talk me out of it people from the Northeast and they said listen this is the graveyard for evangelism this is the graveyard for churches and I said well you know we seem we seem to forget that we serve a God who's known for resurrecting dead things it's kind of mm-hmm. his calling card right so if you want to see God move what better place to do ministry than in the graveyard hmm so, so, sorry, go ahead. So, so we just started believing God and getting some like-minded brothers together because I, I agree exactly with what you said, Sam. You know, we have a plurality of elders here. I, I am simply a first among equals, but there is something unique um, in what we do as lead pastors, and to have some other lead pastors and and men like you and Tom and Micah to, to really bounce some things off of is invaluable. So we just started informally getting a network together. And then I was introduced to Tom Rayner and Church Answers. And that community has bore a tremendous amount of fruit to me personally and to our church and the whole region. So let me let me say, Mike. I want to I want to run back to something you said a second ago. We talked about just sort of the stubborn um, sort of bulldog mentality that the revitalizers need to have. But you just addressed another thing that that in some research we had previously identified as common among revitalizers, and that is a relentless optimism. And uh, I think it's easy for pastors to get discouraged. I mean, you even talked about the first two years at um, at your church, sort of being discouraged in these interactions. I know you've addressed sort of that that God is in the business of resurrecting, but when you looked at your church, what else was it that would sort of provoke in you a relentless optimism that God was able to work? Did you see anything in the church or in the community that would sort of lead you to think, hey, this is something that can be much greater than what it currently is? Oh, all over the place. I mean, the people that remained after we kind of had that that exodus out of the church, you know, we grew by subtraction. Um, they just were so hopeful and they had such a desire to reach their kids and their grandkids and their communities. And it was just, you could see their hearts were in the right place. And, and how could that not be encouraging? Mm-hmm. And, and I will say this, Sam, you had, you had mentioned, you know, about, about the Northeast. And the, I think everyone should come to the Northeast because we have much better food than the rest of the country. <laughs> no. Okay. So here's the deal. I, I will agree with you on pizza. Um, Brooklyn, New York style pizza, it, it may be the greatest food of all time. Um, hmm. So I'm going to say it, yes and amen to that. I'm, I'm just, that's theologically correct. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm not trying to dog on all the Chicago people because the Chicago dogs, you know, Chicago does hot dogs better than anybody else. Yeah, but but, pan, but but their pan pizza is not real pizza. I, I was gonna I, say know, that's that's like lasagna in a is is and just oh. calling it pizza. It's so thick, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that, I can't I can't do correctly. the deep dish. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Mike's right, man. When you when you go, you know, New York. There's nothing like food in New York. I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable. I, now I, 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 I have, have to say, friends, I don't ever hear anything negative about New York. 
or the you don't ever hear the, you got the Yankees, dude. Don't I, don't I mean the, the Yan- I have this I like now, Central Arkansas, dude. I would be I would be glad to disparage the Yankees if we can do that for the next few minutes. I'm, I'm more <laughs> so, than happy to jump in. The only that, that's not going to end well, Mike. <laughs> the only way I know how to describe this is how I describe the Yankees. So you know this phrase, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. Yes. So <laughs> we we hate the Yankees, but we love New Yorkers. Hey, listen. Wow. I mean, now wow. I don't know that Mike knows this, but I'm the world's biggest Royals fan, and we won our World Series in New York at you know what used to be called Shea Stadium. So I have a big heart for New York. <laughs> oh boy, this is getting this is hurtful. hurtful. Hey, Mike, how's your how's your hockey team doing? Uh, you know, because uh, you know the 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 Bolts, the Tam- Tampa, just uh, just clinched a playoff spot for like the fifth time in six years or whatever it is the islanders are doing well i I don't acknowledge the rangers they don't really (laughs) exist but but i'm not a huge hockey fan you know my my big thing right now is is the knicks are breaking my heart every year since 1994 so Mm. you know i'm a big knicks fan that's been real disappointing you know i took my i took my kids to their first nba game uh, just this last weekend, and I've been to a few NBA games. This is the first time they'd ever been. First time my wife had ever been, and you know I got to get back into the NBA. Being, I mean, being there live, it was so much fun. Of course, we're you know we're for the Magic down here in Florida. So, um. well, my since we adopted our son, he's a huge NBA fan, and so we watch NBA. I'm not, I haven't been a big NBA fan, but we're becoming that. So, but let's let's talk a little bit about revitalization again, uh, Mike. As as we are, you know, continue to, down this track of sort of what you did that was effective. I'm curious what you've been doing. I mean, you've you've seen a ton of growth, right? From like 50 yep. people, and you guys are r- around 250 now, 300 in worship. Is that right? Yeah. If everyone showed up on a Sunday, which is is doesn't happen, uh, but if everyone yeah, two or three up, times a year, <laughs> is you know, but 300 plus on on a Sunday if everyone showed up, you know, on a okay. holiday, of course. Sure. You can go well north of 400. But on an average Sunday, we're going to be around 250, which yeah. is, you know, we, we've gone grown five times our original right. size. And that was my point. It seems. I mean, That's remarkable. Way, their, facility, their facility can't hold them all. I mean, it, it, yeah. they're in this tiny little church. I mean, it, it's amazing what God has done there. So here's my question for you. How have you been developing leaders? So, I mean, you, you, you basically had all your leadership vacate, not all of it, but a significant amount of your leadership vacate during this difficult time, two or three years into your tenure there. How have you gone about developing more leaders around you uh, to kind of facilitate further growth and, and, and enhance the revitalization? Well, one of the things that we did, and, and kind of I'm just built this way, uh, coming out of higher education, we just started the seminary program. We just teamed up with Southeastern and Wake Forest and Davis in New York. And I just started teaching seminary classes. And the men who took the classes quickly became my next generation of leaders. Hmm. I love that. That's fantastic. It's a great approach. Yeah, it's um, this homegrown sort of uh, mentality is, is, you know, is, is Mike's heartbeat. He's, he's an equipper. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's got this this group of people around him that I, that I that, and when I was there, I saw and experienced um, and I got to eat dinner with, by the way, which was one of the more um, entertaining uh, dinners that I've ever been a part of. Sam, uh, Sam but did like, you have pizza? <laughs> listen, Sam, that's, my house is like Vegas. What happens there stays there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. So, uh, so anyway, if you don't know uh, 
Mike, I mean, how can tell us a little bit how people can you know can check out what's going on? I mean, they can Google your your church name, but uh, tell tell us just a little bit about your revitalized conference. I, I would love because if you, you know, it's almost worth making the trip out to New York to even if you're from other parts of the country to be a part of this. But specifically, if you're in your new, new you're in New England, you got it. You got to You got to check this out. So tell tell us a little bit about the conference, Mike. Yeah, so, so one of the things we, we really found out quickly is I got a group of local pastors together from all different denominations, and everybody is having the same struggles. And so we, we just took that, and we prayed over it, and God led us to, to launch Revitalize uh, last year, 2018, and we had you and Mark Clifton and, and your father, and we just had some incredible speakers. And, you know, one of the things about Long Island is no one ever crosses the bridges or comes through the tunnels to come out for any kind of conferences. We're not like the rest of the country like that. And we saw right away that there was a deep desire in the Northeast to get some training and to be encouraged and challenged. So we had a great year last year. Um, if you want to learn more about what we're doing this year, you can go to revitalizeconference.org. Revitalizeconference.org. We have Ed Stetzer this year coming out. We have Mark Clifton, we have Dr. Andy Davis, we have Carl Vaders, um, who wrote Small Church Essentials. We have a bunch of great workshop leaders. And you know, the idea is we want to hit this from 10,000, the view from 10,000 feet, and we want to get boots on the ground to give some practical training. And one of the things I really want to stress is that this is not a church growth conference. This is about church health. Um, you know, 90% of the churches are under 250. And, and we really, those, those are normative sized churches and they're doing great work in their communities and we want to help equip and train them and encourage them, you know, as our culture and technology changes every two or three years and, and they just need some practical hands on, you know, how do we do this kind of training. That's a fantastic well, was- lineup of speakers, especially on the topic of church revitalization. Yeah, yeah, you know Ed Stetzer. Don't hold it against him. You know he, he you know he, uh, he, 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 he did New York for a little while, but he was in upstate. You know he was in That's he was right. in Buffalo. That's right. Yeah, and you know Ed, Ed's Ed's our favorite person to knock on because you know he's everyone loves Ed. You know it's just it's just you know the guy's amazing. So we'll poke a little fun. Well, at Well, let, let me do a quick story about Ed. You know I had reached out through somebody to Ed uh, to see if he was interested, and I didn't know, but they had talk, you know, spoken with him. So he called me one night about 5.30, and it was no caller ID on my cell phone. You know, normally you don't answer those phone calls. Yep. yep so I, that's but, I, it. but I answered it. So he said, hey, Mike, it's, it's Ed Stetzer. I want to talk to you about the Revitalized Conference. And I thought it was one of my friends messing with me. <laughs> so I said, yeah, right, this is Ed Stetzer. You know who I am? And he said, before you say another word. This is really Ed Stetzer. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. (laughs) So thank God he cut me off. (laughs) Very good. And then uh, just just next year, it looks like we are attempting to have a revitalize in, in Massachusetts. So we have it right here on Long Island. And then, Lord willing, we'll have a, another conference going on in the New England, Massachusetts area as well. So if you can keep that in prayer, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's, man, that's great news. Uh, just So to, to our listeners, just be encouraged. Um, whether you're in the Bible Belt area, 
uh, in a small town, you know, struggling to, you know, connect with the culture, whether you're in, you know, a big city in a multi-ethnic area. I know, I know our listeners are from all over. And, you know, once again, hello to our Canadians, because we do seem to have a lot of Canadian listeners. So um, grateful, grateful to them. Um, just be encouraged. You know, you got stories like Mike. And, you know, part of what we want to do is to put some of this stuff on the radar, because it, 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 it's a... Uh, you know, it kind of pains me a little bit because we don't we don't often hear stories about a church that grew from 50 to to 250. Um, that's just books don't get written about that. So we want to tell that story because, you know, that's a that's a that's some of the hardest growth that you can do. It is. is it's to, a remarkable story. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you who are out there, I know this is a lot of you. You're in, you know, normative sized churches. I have trouble saying that word. Um, <laughs> just be encouraged. Um, you know, you can see a movement of God work. That's and, right. you know, Mike's one of these examples. Um, you know, don't don't let and it's wonderful to hear stories of all the big churches that are doing well. And they've got, you know, 40,000 people or whatever. I mean, that's good for them. But, you know, if we're going to see a movement or a revival, really, in our nation, it's not going to be just a mega church revival. It's it's going to be something that happens in our neighborhoods. It's going to be something that happens. And, you know, all, we've got 400,000 churches and most of them are smaller. Um, that's where it's going to happen. So keep at it, guys. Be encouraged. You, you know, you got stories like Mike. You know, you need to you, you just you need to. to it's a grind. But you need to stick with it, and you're going to see God do some awesome stuff. So I just I just wanted this to be an encouraging time for our so, listeners. So would you say be like Mike? So you, oh, no, no, man. listen, yeah. trust me. Don't be, don't be the like The Knicks Mike. fan is not happy. No, listen. <laughs> you know, I, we just kept everything exceedingly simple. You know, it's really, it's not about me at all. If, if God took me home tomorrow, the church would be ready to move on without me. Um, I hope they would miss me for at least five minutes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you know, keep it simple. Preach the gospel, love each other, love the community, and good things are going to happen. Mike, we're so glad you joined us today. Thanks for being on with us, man. Oh, listen, I really appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Hey, friends, have you listened to the One Thing podcast yet? The one uh, one co-hosted by Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna. They're a part of our LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've recently talked about regional church planting, social media in your church, and succession. Just look up The One Thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Until next time, we are your friends who help love and lead the established church. Can't wait to talk to you about it again. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.